This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was made by Mess, a design, development, and content studio located in Chicago. Mess helps brands tell their story online and off. Find out more by visiting madeatmess.com. Alex, man, how you feeling? Man, I am good. It is just the beautifulest, heart of the summerest, best time of Chicago ever. For sure, for sure, for sure. Can you believe this weather we're having? I cannot believe the weather we're having, but I'm also really excited because I want to make sure that I'm taking advantage of it because I've been moving and grooving all summer. A lot of a lot of travel. Oh yeah, so yeah, I need man. to. Well, like, you're, slow you're down. a newlywed. This yeah, is man. the this is part of the thing. You gotta you gotta parade around the country with your yeah, as a newlywed uh, couple and show each other off to each other's families and friends and maybe meet some new uh, yeah new family and friends new family friends. Um, but it's also that time where everybody like I feel like there's two phases where everybody gets married in like one summer. It's oh like you're God. 25 to like 27 <laughs> that range. And then, like now, when you're like 32 to like 35, it's just weddings. It's a lot of weddings. People are like, we are getting it. We're we're locking it down. We actually just had our my my wife's uh, got a, a big family, and we think we went to the last cousin's wedding a couple of weeks ago. And I we kind of did the math on this, and mm-hmm. we might just be kind of out of the woods. Not that hey. My wife's cousins, if you're listening, Shout I love your weddings. You got great weddings. I love going to your weddings. But hey, now that we're done going to them, it's you know time to, it's time to notice yeah. that you know, milestone. Mean, yeah. So I guess today is really exciting for me because we always talk about being able to provide assistance, being able to provide an opportunity, being able to provide understanding for folks when and it the, comes the, to culture and business. And right? the word for that is game. Yeah. Game. Whole lot of game. So, <laughs> I mean, me, glossary drop, a little glossary drop. Game. Uh, I've been re- I've been working alongside creatives for years now. And without a doubt, the first thing that trips them up, I would say, other than, you know, not having like a good Googleable name, is uh, not having a business sense, right? Um, so, whether it be art, dance, or music, the gap between like culture and business can honestly feel as big as like the Grand Canyon when you aren't really prepared. So, I want to be clear. We are all aware that creatives need help organizing their business structures. So in our never ending attempt to live at the intersection of culture and business, we're going to help try to solve that problem today. Our guest this week is Eddie Sanders, an intellectual property lawyer based in Chicago. In his life, he's been a part of Chicago's creative community as both an artist manager as well as a legal aid to countless members of the superstar talent we're cranking out on the regular these days. He also is here to help explain a cultural concept that native Chicagoans are, I think, born with, but a lot of people who may not be from the the soil understand. And that is the art of the finesse. Yes. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Glad I could be here. So um, I don't know you as Eddie Sanders. Uh, you know me as probably twin when we started. Twin, yeah, because yeah, because for a good two, three years, me, you, and show you suck yeah. were the same person. It, so funny story about that. I was at a thing. I, I told the story in a in a show you suck video. Shout out to Clint, man, we love you. Come on the podcast too. But <laughs> this girl came up to me at the Congress. This is how old I am. The Congress theater when it's still open. Wait a minute, <laughs> Congress closed. Ooh. What a dump. Oh, what man. Dump. That place was... Best place in the world to see some Lucha Libre, though, I'll tell you what. Oh, man. Um, so this girl comes up to me in line, and she thinks I'm Clinton. And so she was just like, oh, my God, are you show you suck? 
<laughs> I was like, <laughs> depends. Do you have five dollars? And genuinely, she was about to give me money to like take a picture, and I was just like, I'm just kidding. I'm not him. <laughs> have you ever done that? Have you ever have you ever pretended you were me to get something? Uh, yeah. Pretended to be you again a couple shows. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, you can do that. <laughs> Next time I go to a show. Yes, that makes me so happy. I told him I was coming to report on a show. Yes, that's it. Hell yeah, work. That makes me so happy. And is like, that Ernest? how you roll up to every show, Ernest? You just you just walk in without a ticket. You just I'm Ernest. I, there was a point in time where that was something that I could do. Like, there was a point in time where like literally I could just make a call. That those times are behind me. But um, it is. It was nice for the brief time it was. That sounds all right. Yeah, one bad. Yeah, it worked for both of us. Hey, <laughs> don't let it be a Red Bull event. Look there. Look, pulling up. That's how I couldn't get into some of my own stuff. They gave me trouble at the door. They're like, "Sir, you're already inside." I'm like, "Huh?" Uh, <laughs> so before we get started, Esquire, as I know him, you have. I'm, I've been. I honestly looked the other day. And there was an old red eye video from South by Southwest, which had to be 2013, I think. And you are the first person in the video, and you're talking about Chicago and how like Chicago, like everybody gets along. Word. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. But it's just like, it's me. I'm in the background, like just sitting, like nodding everything you say. And then Rember Brown just pulls up behind you and like puts his arm around you. And so it's the three of us. I'm just like, this is a very beautiful moment in Black history for me. That's awesome. I need that clip. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, that's also the one where, do you remember the Red Bull showcase where it was like, Chance, it's the, the perfect Chicago show. It was Chance, L.E.P., um, Spinzo, uh, Clinton actually played that show. Ellie, uh, I said L.E.P., Cool Kids, and then Master P. Yeah, that, I that, yeah. definitely remember that. was that show. Um, that and video. When, and then Master P tried to play all his new music. Yes, and everybody was like, boo. <laughs> but he came out to make him say, uh. Which, Alex, have you heard Master P's make him say, uh? Of course I probably have. I believe you have. It's one of the greatest songs of all time, regardless of genre. But uh, wait, Master P's not a Chicago guy. No. Yeah, but he's in New Orleans, right? I feel but, like but his 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 sound and what he created helped lay the foundation for There's this I, I'm not the best person to ask about this. Um but there is a direct correlation to Southern rap popping off in the Midwest because of the travel. So like ninety four, like Louisiana, mm-hmm. Memphis. So like three six, all of them, all of those acts like coming up ninety four and playing shows up and down ninety four, like mm-hmm. all the way up to Detroit and down, like set a precedent for now. I think what modern rap is in terms of like the South and the Midwest. When you say Master P, and this is here, here's segue man here. When yeah. you say Master P, I think of that contract for Ricky Williams. Ooh. Now, what do you, what do you, as a, as a, as a person in the business who knows what they're doing, what do you, what do you think when somebody tries to cross over, like that? So there's two two ways with it because you can say the Master P way and then you look at Rock Nation and, and Rock Sports. Yeah. That work, you know, it's like it all depends on pound like the people you surround yourself with. Like, of course, you can have a lot of money and come up with these ideas, but if you can't execute them, then then what are you right, really doing? Like, right. If you don't have the distribution, it, there's there's nothing to do. Gotcha. Um, okay, so before we get into the legal questions, uh, how did you get to where you are currently? Like, give us a brief background. Uh, I hopped in an Uber. Okay, let's let's go a little farther back. Okay, okay, got you, got you. <laughs> How did you get into your role as a lawyer? How about that? So it started, I would say, after first year of law school. I'm in there. I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to get into. Uh, I was an athlete in college, so I was thinking sports agency and all that. I'm mm-hmm. a sports agent. I'm do sports law, whatever. That field wasn't that appealing once I started looking into what I would actually have to do. Around the same time, I had to find a job. Uh, I couldn't work like a nine to five being in law school. Right. 
takes up a lot of time, so I had to find something in, in nightlife. So it started at security. So I was like, I was actually reading, I got to go back to it, uh, the Russell Simmons Do You Oh, book. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. in that, he's talking about how he started his life, and he's like, yeah, I started off as a door guy because everybody had to know the door guy. Yeah. So that's how I got known. I was like the door guy. So I was like, That book has a lot of game in it, too. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do I this. know society canceled Russell, but yeah, that book has but, a lot of game in it, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, that book is definitely dope. So I go uh, Empire Liquors, first club. Wow. I, yeah, start doing security there, start meeting all the people. The first party that I worked uh-huh. was like the St. Alfred's two-year anniversary. Wow. So St. Alfred's street, legendary streetwear boutique in the city of Chicago. Yeah, so it was like Cool Kids was on the bill, Mano was on the bill, Hollywood Holt, Kid Sister, Floss Domus. So it was like that That's whole- like, Yeah, that era. Was, yeah. That era. So got Town to, Hall Pub era. Yeah, started yeah. meeting all those people. Um, and I'm like, they start having discussions about deals they're signing and all that. I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. From this legal perspective, it doesn't sound right, I think. You're like, wait, this doesn't add up. Yeah, so going into my second year of law school, I was like, all right, intellectual property. I'm about to just put my head down and learn all this. And that's when I started getting into, like, the South Bys. And, right. Like, you, that's why I, I, I'm introduced, like, you were introduced to me as, like, industry events. You weren't, like, out here trying to rap. No. Like, you never, you've never been an artist that I know of. Well, I do have a couple singles out, but oh. we'll, we'll get into that later. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you can't be a part of the culture and not put 16 out there somewhere i mean i'm probably on like two hooks in the history of rap music saying, man. If they're, you, they're if floating you, if yeah. you love the rap music man, you, <laughs> somebody's, somebody's gonna sample this podcast i hope not yeah <laughs> no they, that i hope not i hope not <laughs> yeah and if you're a producer mix that up and send that back that'll be the new uh segment we'll call i hope not and we talk about things we hope don't happen oh yeah right see no, so like yeah i was definitely just at all the networking events if mm-hmm. it said anything music law entertainment yeah. law on it I was there. So real quick, let's take a step back because I think this is a really great time to address kind of the state of the culture in terms of like around industry in the music industry in Chicago. Right. I think we have a lot of performance rights organizations. There's a lot of um, studios. There's a lot of places where people can create music and record music. But I mean, as far as when people say there's no industry in Chicago, what do you think they mean? There's no I would say there's no commerce here, essentially. Okay. Like, every time we create, we then have to outsource for it to move. Mm-hmm. So we generate the content, and then we have to go to New York to do our entire press run. We yep. have to then go to L.A. to do that special show for the labels to now get support. We don't have that here. So we, when I say we don't have an industry, mm-hmm. which we're starting to build, right. I was essentially speaking about all the roles and responsibilities you have within the label needing more PR, more business managers, more tour managers, mm. just the entire encompass. Cause we don't have, we essentially don't even have a label here. Yeah. If you think about the growth of say in Atlanta, it started with LaFace records. Yeah. It was an actual physical structure that was actually able to distribute music. Yeah. When I was, when I lived in Atlanta and I worked at A&R, it was like the Def Jam building, the Def Jam South building, you know, publishing hit codes right there. And then around the corner CTE. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a right. stink only is like around the corner and so is that what you mean, like the physical, like, label space? The ability for people, for, I just, when I say that, I want people to have to come here for the content. Mm. Uh, okay. Because everything has to be outsourced. And, you know, when you have a commodity that you can constantly outsource and nothing comes in, you know. Yeah. We know economics. We do. Doesn't work. So it's like, even on a branding sense, anytime we do a, like a tastemaker event or something like that, 
it starts with a New York agency getting the check and then the New York agency coming to Chicago and saying, hey, who are the tastemakers? And then giving them half the money to yep. do the activation. Right. As mm-hmm. opposed to that brand coming directly to Chicago and getting true Chicago. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the interesting things about that is is the contrast between kind of the entertainment industry and what I think is one of the most, I don't know if it's as big as it was, but one of the most popular producers of content externally would be the ad agencies here in Chicago, right? right? Like I think there's it's not a surprise that Chicago is the home of some of the most prestigious but also the most, you know, successful ad agencies in the world. And so it's it's funny to me because this this whole infrastructure already exists cuz people come to Chicago for those meetings. They come to get those pitches out. So like is it a case of you're just saying it's a create a case of creating more institutions, I guess? I don't know. I don't want to like improperly say that, but like what other than labels, is it it's it's legal, it's production, it's promotion, it's branding. So like I feel like what is like an agency like we're doing and being speak, speaking transparently, like one of the reasons we started all of this was as a way to give a platform to the people who need it. Because if you go to New York City or you go to LA, you know, you can go get on, you know, Rents FM or something like that, or one of those stations, those online stations, and you know, have NTS or something like that where you have all of these opportunities to get your stuff heard, these personalities can develop their voices. They can have, you know, a more consistent feedback with an audience and develop an audience and get better at doing recording and production. So you're saying like that? Yeah. Okay. And how about agency relationships? Like, do you have relationships with people at agencies in Chicago? I do, yes. Okay. But everyone else doesn't. For you sure. Know, that's that's the thing. Like, we're. It's also about educating the artists and showing them the community that they have around them. Mm-hmm. Being able to build with that as well. This space that you have here, amazing, by the way. Thank you. We didn't have this a couple of years ago. Yeah. We didn't have this five years ago when people were trying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, these are the type of institutions I'm saying we need. Now somebody can come here and get a proper rollout for yeah. their merchandising. And that's the point. You know? Because I can say with absolute confidence that, you know, having gone and done these projects, out to your point, going outside to get it done, it's so much easier to just put it together here because the costs are lower to execute it and keep it open. But also there's more demand, you know? And I think, I think that's just kind of from an economic standpoint, why would you go fish in a big ocean? Right. And then we want that dollar to circulate with the Chicago community as well. For sure. Why why send that dollar to LA and New York when we can keep it here? And and do you have, I mean, one one of my questions for you was about being in Chicago and being in the entertainment business in Chicago um, when really the centers of of that world are New York and Los Angeles. Is that, has it ever, are are you dedicated to Chicago in a certain way that makes it so you would never like say, I'd move out to New York or LA? No, I'm Chicago all the way. That's why, I mean, when I was in law school, everyone was telling me, oh, you want to get entertainment? You have to move to New York. You have to move to LA. And I'm like, that's definitely not happening. I'm staying here to protect my people. So that's a good, so that's a very important question because I feel like that mentality is the mentality that keeps Chicago with the second city. The, you know, you have to leave. You got to go. And I'm like, bro, you can't tell me all these industries that were founded and started in the city of Chicago. You can't tell me that it's not feasible. That's we're the center a, of the country. It's a, it's a lazy mentality to think, you know, like, oh, well, I have to get away to actually 
be better. Like, no, bro, you can do it right here. Yeah, create, it's just gonna be a little harder. See where you are, but and, also and like you can, you can do it right here and own a home, and <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's like go go move to New York and L.A. People who are gonna do that have fun. It's not. I easy. also think it's about being realistic about your career as an artist too. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people who think being an artist is I'm super famous. I'm on all the magazine covers. I'm doing my thing. But then you don't realize that you still got to do the work part of it, you know? Yeah, and, and there's definitely something to being a hometown guy, right? It's like you, like you, lo- your loyalty to your city is going right. to come back and, and pay off, right? Right. Well, also, I mean, to your point, Esquire, you probably, because of the success of the city over the last eight, seven, eight years, you probably been around for some alley-oops just because you were the only person there. Only one in the room that could read the contract just hmm. happened to be that way. But, no, it's, it has been a beautiful thing to see the the growth of Chicago and be around it from, from the jump and being in those rooms where uh, big deals were made, you know, so. You're good. Gotcha. Okay. So what do you so so let's talk about like the 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 levels of work you do, right? So you're like 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 I'm thinking uh, I feel like you have a vision, right? Like when you're working with an artist, um, what is the balance between like your vision for that artist and their future, and like the nitty grit of like what is in this contract? Uh, so when I go into it, I it may sound wrong, but I'm gonna clean it up as I said. I really don't care about the artist. I care about the person. So going into it, I want to make sure I'm protecting this person and that they're, one, in a good space, that they can produce music, that they're comfortable in who they are. Because the artist side, the the music that they make, that's them. I'm not here to critique or tell them to change that up at any point. Right. So I'm just worried about the person. So if, if I'm coming from that aspect, then I'm more concerned about their rights and what the labels or whatever company is trying to acquire from them. And and you talk a lot about protecting these people, like and, uh, from risks um, that are out there. That, what are some of the what are some of the big risks that you see for a young artist? If we're talking music, it, it comes down to the copyright. We're talking about copyright and trademarks. And anytime we're getting into contracts of those, it's an exchange of assets. So I'm giving up the rights of my copyrights in exchange for either some advance or some new distribution system. So we're doing that exchange. Oftentimes, many a times, the artist is just giving up that right wholeheartedly of their copyright, meaning they no longer own the music they've created is now owned by the label. That's, the, to me, it's gonna be the biggest thing because that's your baby at the end of the day. We look at artists like a, a Nipsey Hussle, uh, rest in peace. Yep. Once he passed away, he was still in ownership of his master. So mm. you don't see these Sony double disc package re-released of old projects because now the label's trying to monetize off of it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they're in ownership of it. So it's just maintain, making sure the creatives understand what content they own and what rights they have in that content. Gotcha. Love it. So a couple of questions kind of springboarding off of that. Other than the copyright piece of it, you know, what is a mistake you see a lot of young creatives make? Other than just like the copyright signing. Because I mean, I think there's a lot of other blind spots that people aren't paying attention to. Having that business structure. Okay. You know, uh, people don't realize labels won't cut checks to just people sometimes. You know, you need that tax ID number. Mm. You need some type of business structure for them to cut the check to. Right. So that delays and sometimes almost terminates their their payment in a sense. 
So that's a mistake I see, just making sure they have some type of taxable entity set up. Okay, so free game time. <laughs> what does the business structure look like? What should it look like? How about that? The easiest one is the LLC. The most functionable, the most flexible is the LLC, meaning limited liability company. You know, And it does what it does. It limits the liability, meaning if I make a million dollars selling my CD, I then, as a business, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I make a million dollars selling my CDs, that's for the business. Now, if someone is to sue my company, mm. They can only come after business assets. They can't come after my personal assets, my right. car, my house, all that. So. Right. Okay. So then you have an LLC set up, and it's, I mean, it's a couple, it's like 135 bucks or something like that. It's none, like, if you're if you're getting it how you say you're getting it. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you, you want to get it expedited so it's a little bit more. And then, of course, if you have somebody else do it, they're going to charge whatever their service right. fee is. But, right. yeah, it's not crazy expensive. Also, just getting a tax ID is free, by the way. Yeah. Like, that's a free service. Go on the IRS Yo, website. And, that's, and this is more free game. If you're doing anything as far as corporate filings with the government, the state, if we're doing it federal, only on .gov sites or mm. .org sites. What happens is people do Google searches for, like, tax ID, and the first four things that pop up is a site that you have to pay, like, $50 for a tax ID. Mm. Not only are they stealing your information because right. you're giving them everything, like, your social they're charging you for a tax ID that you don't need to. So making sure that if you do any of these corporate filings that it's only on that government site. Right. See, there you go. Free game. We're, it's, it's continuous and it's going to be flowing. Yeah, so pay it for it. You know? pay, I mean, that's it. This is, this is like anti-game for Silicon Valley. I mean, Intuit, the, the TurboTax people don't want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? definitely. They sure don't. Um, okay, so this is funny because we, we sit at a funny intersection. Like for the artist side of it, you know, we always want to be able to provide that insight. But for the brand side, we also want to give some awareness because Lord knows we've been in enough rooms where tone deaf conversations have happened. Um, lack of understanding. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that happens when a bunch of people who don't hang out with the people they're trying to work with try to go work with those people. Yeah. Those com those culture clashes, all of those horrible things. We want to make it a win win for both sides. So from the brand side, Esquire, folks on that end, how can they attract talent that you work with? But also, how can they get it done? Because I think a lot of people want, you see somebody hot, you see somebody who's really a popular artist, and you go, ooh, I think a lot of brands just assume that the artist will just be happy to work with them because they're a big brand. And then when they get like their feelings hurt or the artist asks for a ridiculous sum, I think there's some resentment. And so I want to be able to like explain from your perspective, what do they need to know going into those conversations? Two parts on that. One is that that goes back to my original statement as far as like, how New York agencies then come to Chicago looking for the tastemakers, that whole thing. Right. If the industry and we were set up properly, once a brand saw an artist, they would know exactly who to come to and that thing would be able to be facilitated one degree of separation as opposed to going through a third party that you said doesn't really understand this culture. Right. And then almost, uh, in a sense, insults them mm -hmm. with either their approach or their their concept of what they're trying to create. Or the amount. <laughs> yeah, or the amount. So the main thing is, like, I would say first and foremost, respecting them as, as humans and as people and understanding who they are. Because once you understand them, then a lot of these problems that we have is just merely miscommunication. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You don't understand how to relate with the person right. across from you. So you're going to have to dig in and say, we'll look at them as a person, not as, like, this commodity that's going to turn some profit for you. Also, like, there's so much ego in business transactions oh, yeah, and it's, it's underlying. And so I always say like, there's always a hidden sentence 
in everything you do. So like I always come at it from the standpoint if I'm in a negotiation, my my the end of the sentence that you never hear, but this is the point I want to get across. If you give me X, you will make more money. Mm. And as long as you go in with that intent, I feel like that's a very easy language to understand. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> in that business meeting like that, money does talk and understanding that that brand is looking to make a profit, make some type of flip or create some awareness. So if they're trying to create some awareness, you need to be hot enough to get people to look at this idea. Right. And a lot of the time it's affinity, right? They are trying to reach an audience. It's sort of like borrowed equity, right, is the term of art there where say a insurance company wants to reach an audience who doesn't think of that insurance company top of mind, but there's an artist who maybe could pair up, right? Um, and that's the, they borrow that artist's uh, audience or the equity that that artist has with that audience uh, so that the, the, that company is now elevated. Yeah. I mean, I think more free game. They need you more than you need them. Straight up. The and brand, that's the to brands. the creative. The brands need you, the creative, more than the creative needs the brands. And I know that's Definitely. hard to hear, especially if you are in a situation where your finances aren't hidden the way you want them to. But it is a fact. That's why we got to shout out uh, the homie Joe. Oh, my God. Mr. Fresh Goods. Bruh. Because, I mean, as a person that's a client and also a really good friend, he really understands his worth. And oh, yeah. what's the value of it. And yeah. I think that w- that's what allows him to be successful in his brand alignment. For sure. You Joe, know, come on the podcast. That bullshit. Yeah, definitely come through, Joe. All right. Um, yes, and actually, that's a very good point because the conversations he and I have had when I was writing a thing um, for Complex around him, it was a very interesting conversation because I have been on the other side of the conversation where I've been the big brand going to an artist and having a conversation with them about this, but I've never in a moment had somebody who was as sure of themselves and their worth as Joe, and I respect him for that because that's half the battle. If you will sell it out for two two racks and an opening headline slot, I mean it ain't it ain't worth it. Yeah, and people have to understand that because if you keep selling yourself short, you can't elevate your numbers, man. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you con- if you're a DJ and you're constantly taking the fifty dollar gig, mm-hmm. nobody's gonna pay you a thousand dollars when the opportunity comes around because you're so people. So for the folks who are at that tier where they have the talent but maybe not the business acumen, how do they level up in that sense? Like, because I think the big issue is people don't like to talk numbers. Right. And so you get to a situation where you're embarrassed or you're nervous or you don't want to come off as like predatory. So you don't ask and you see somebody who might be a peer. And this is, I think, one of the sources of a lot of hate is like not understanding how to talk about this stuff in advance. Because if you and I are the same level DJs, we're making the same amount of money. You know how to talk numbers. I don't. Your numbers go up. You out. You out of here in a different stratosphere. I'm gonna be resentful. I'm gonna be angry. I'm gonna be jealous. But like, miscommunication. I right. Don't, I don't know how to approach you or have that conversation of like, bro, how'd you do that? Right. So, how do we get over that? As creatives, how do people get over that? We're starting to see. I'm, I'm starting to see within Chicago's music community more of a sharing of knowledge on the artist side. It needs to be more of a sharing on the business side. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things w- that's been going on, Chris Classics. Yeah. You're familiar with Shout uh, out to Chris, man. My homegirl Tamika, she manages FemDot. For sure. They put together a manager's meeting. Hmm. Great. So it was a bunch of us that manage artists in Chicago. We all just sat down, had a little brunch, chilled. I mean, it was the first one, so we didn't get into like hard business. Right. But it's just the idea of like, all right, let's start working together on this. Because one of the concepts we're thinking about, like, all right, so 
say a guy like Smino is getting 25K for some mm-hmm. branding event. He has to turn it down for whatever the yeah. case may be. Then they come to FemDot and try and give him five for that same thing. If we're all having the conversation, we know that there's 20 missing right there. So just little things like right. that. That's just a hypothetical that we're throwing out. But yeah. you're saying like that needs to be more communication so that yeah. those are. Have you seen a black godfather? Oh, that's my new like goal. So like he is my new goal. Bruh. Same. When like, I saw, I was genuinely, like, I was like, "Oh, that's what I've been doing this whole time." <laughs> I, I explained it to my homies. I was like, "You know how like Forrest Gump was in the room for all these amazing yeah. things?" I was like, "It was just like that, but in real life." Yeah, because he was there for everything, yeah, everything. Bro. And like, I think the thing that I was so impressed about, and you have you seen this, Alex? Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like I've definitely. Seen <laughs> he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. saw it the day it came no, out. Black Black Godfather, Black Godfather, no. it's on Netflix. Definitely. Um, see it. Um, this so Clarence Cla- Avon. Clarence Avon was on a short list of people that I never thought would ever talk to the press ever. Him, um, I think what the heck is his name? Well, obviously Jay Prince. He wrote that book. I was like, that's crazy. And then Al Heyman, World Wide West. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of like secret people that just make stuff tick. Mm-hmm. Way more women than men, even. And like they don't talk, and it's just like God. You are the people that need to like talk. Please talk. Tell the people. What <laughs> Please <to do>. help. <laughs> uh, okay, that's what pseudonyms are for. Yeah, right. IP freely. Um, I, I wonder what sound effects we actually have on here. Hold on. I feel like you just brainwashed me. <laughs> Whatever that sound effect was. You uh, surprise. Uh, you only have one kidney now. Right. Your name is yeah. Edward. You are now a member of the Men in Black. Um. <laughs> Okay, so this podcast is maximized for efficiency. So I want to do right now before we get out of here, I want to talk about finessing. Yes. I want to talk about the concept. I want to talk about the execution. I want you to basically give the master class of finessing. Okay. Okay. So to start, what is finessing to you? Finessing to me is the ability to move into a room that you should be in but don't necessarily have the passes for. The access? Yes. Okay. Would you say that you, would you say that Chicagoans are good finessers? I believe the finesse gene is embedded within Chicago's DNA. I think it's in the water. I believe so. It's in the Lake Michigan water. If you've never swam in Lake Michigan or drank any Chicago tap water, then I don't think it's in Yeah, some some places have fluoride. We have finesse yeah. um it's and from I, the the deep deep lake michigan yeah. right the, the very mild deep Alex, you're a chicago native yes uh n- i am now i actually just had my 20th anniversary okay so you weren't born in the city proper i was not born in the city proper okay. but look at me now look at you now you know the finesse probably. did you ever hop over a gate yes i actually when i moved here it was tokens use tokens on the cta oh yeah yeah i remember tokens and yeah. I did, and I remember riding a bus and not knowing how to get off. I like that. I, I was like, hey, doesn't the door just open automatically? <laughs> Must <Hilarious. I> stop. <laughs> but, uh, okay, but yeah, so, so so finesse. That's important. Yeah. So getting in the room that you should be in. So yeah. I guess I guess part of that is knowing where, like, like having a sense of where you are and your vision of where you want to be, right? And the people that you need to talk to. Yeah. Right. So and, and confidence. Confidence. Okay, let's talk about that because. I think what happens for a lot of people, your first introduction to finessing is maybe at a theme park, some sort of activity, uh, a concert, and you do not 
have the capability to access the place that you're trying to get into. So, Esquire, how do you finesse? First, you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan of execution. I, I like to tap into my Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. Mm. Put together. That is a my, great movie about finessing. You know, so I put in, get into my Ocean's Eleven head, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. Mm. And and is that actually a bit? Like, I think of what you do is you're part lone wolf and part team builder. Because you can't, I mean, finessing in a group is really hard. Yeah. Right. It is but, very hard. But Ocean's Eleven, when you say that, you make me think of oh, well, now Andy I, Ocean I, I, building I have, a team. I safe to say I have a couple disciples now. Yeah. You got, you're active out here. It's very my, it's very inspiring to see, honestly. Yeah, my, uh, my new, my fiance. Shout out to... Wait, well, let's take a second and stop it right, right quick because speaking of finessing... Um, yeah, I think this was the greatest finesse I pulled off. So, Esquire... Was doing, not, the, not the whole proposal, but what I did to get the proposal to happen. So, let's take the whole story. So, Esquire was recently engaged. So, congratulations. congratulations. We're proud of you. Okay. Now, Alex. Yes. Esquire... Proposed to his now fiance on stage during Smino's set at Lollapalooza 2019. Wow. So you, I, I got you. And just, then Chance popped out. And then Chance came out. You, you said the word confidence, and I got to say, this story really uh, puts that in perspective. That is more confidence than uh, I, I've certainly had. Now, mind you. Wait, wait, yeah. We got to hear the whole story. I set up this whole plan, and I had no ticket to Lollapalooza. <laughs> yes. I right. went to what did you get helicopter walk, walk us through the whole thing <laughs> I first I hit up Chris and Ron Ron mm-hmm. is Mino's tour manager Chris is his manager hit him I was like yo realistically what's the odds of me being able to propose to Chelsea that's Mino set instantly bro we would never deny love yes I'm like yes shout out to them good answer then he's like had Mino hit me tell me rehearsals on Friday pull up to the rehearsal we figure out the whole plan the whole time I'm forgetting that you know I don't have a ticket. Right. So I can't, I mean, I'm supposed to be on the stage at 4 o'clock. Right. But you don't have a way to get in. No way to get in. So remember, my homie is work security at Lollapalooza. So he's on the outer perimeter. I'm not going to say where he works, if he's police or whatever, because I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't blow up your spot. That's, yeah. that's another key role of finessing. If you do get some access, don't blow up the spot of the person who got you that access. Yeah, don't burn the plug. That's it. That's a life lesson. That don't, is a life don't lesson. Don't burn the plug. Yeah. Listen, you listen to Plies. He tells you to run off on the plug. I would strongly advise to not to turn it back around. Yeah, don't do take it. Take care of whatever business you have. Yeah, had don't burn the plug. plug. That's good. So he get up there and he legit walks me in all the way through security and all that because I'm like, bro, I can't even get wanded down because I don't want to have to pull out this ring. And she's like, yo, mm-hmm. the case. And this is not just you. This is you and your you, me, and soon to be. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So he walks us in. Then we get over to where. Smino stages, mm-hmm. and of course you need an artist pass yep. to get back there. Guy's like, "Yo, where's your pass at?" I said, "I'm with Smino." I said, "So where's your pass at?" I said, "Obviously, I need to go get them because I don't have them, but I'm with them." He was like, "You're right." So this is what I want you to do when you when you get the passes, just come back and show them to me. Wow. I was like, "All right, <laughs> see ya, <laughs> bye." <laughs> And did you ever see that guy again? I never saw that man <laughs> again. You know what though? Listen, listen, because you know what that that is a very nice thing that that man did. Yeah. And so he could have easily just been a hard ass and not let you go through. So shout out to that person. Shout out to him. The world revolves around the exchange of good. But it was the confidence though. I yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. I was. Hey, 
I'm with them. You have so you have to stand up in it, and you have to act as if you've been there before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's why you're supposed to be in that room. You're supposed to be back there. What's wrong with you? Like you're stupid for holding me back right now. So then what happened? So then I get back there, and and Ron sees me. He's like, "Bro, how did you even get back here?" (laughs) (laughs) He's like. He's, he's like, like, oh he's shit! Like, bro, we're already doing. He's like, no, he's like, you are amazing, bro. How like, did you even for that your way back here. Like, I've seen, and just as an anecdote, I've asked that question to you probably thirty to seventy times in my life. How in the hell did you? And you because just, he's told me times. <laughs> yeah, we have. There's no more guest list, man. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't yeah. even do it. And then he'll turn around. I'm standing right there. Like, and look, and every time. <laughs> I'm I just I'm so proud of him. Like I'm very proud. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm, I just give you a hug sometimes. I'm like, get over here. Like I'm just proud of you. It's like a recurring skit. It is. <laughs> and it's very all right. So so keep going. So then uh run into Ron. He's like, yo, just chill out here. We're good to go. So the way the plan was, Smino had a song called a new song coming out called O Dog. Mm-hmm. During the song, he was gonna have a bunch of people come out in pink shirts dance around during the song. So we were like, all right, we're gonna have Chelsea. Be one of those people in the pink, pink shirts, because any other way she would have been like, "Yo, I want to be out watching the right. show. I don't want to be up here." So we get her out there. She's dancing around. The song ends. Ron hands me the mic. I walk out, hit him with a little couple love bars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do the whole will you? Woo! It's a great feeling, isn't it? Went crazy, and then so during rehearsal, I asked Mino, "Could they play Eternal?" Yeah. So somehow the communication got to a chance that this was happening. Chance was like, yo, definitely there. They go into Eternal. Chance the rapper. My yeah, man. So shout out to both of them. Yeah, for real. Y'all are real for that. So like they made a, a whole moment. So That's beautiful. Well man. done. Well done. How do you feel? Like in isn't they engaged kind of sick? I love it. Hey man, actually I was like woke up on Sunday, like, yeah. It's great. Oh my God. And I think it's really funny because the <laughs> the funny thing that I've learned in the last three or four months is you get married. Mm-hmm. And you find out very quickly who the people are in your life that want you to be happy. Oh yeah, because when you get engaged, the people that pull up and they're like, ah! like oh my god, like those people, those people will be with you. <laughs> but if you ever encounter, and this is another free game, if you encounter anybody when you're making a positive move in your life, and they hit you with the, huh, or anything that isn't unconditional positive support, and they're supposed to be your friend. Oh, when you, when you tell them oh, I'm not drinking, right. oh yeah, you tell them I'm not drinking. They, <laughs> hey, I'm not drinking right now. <sighs> nah, they'd be like, "All right, cool." You know, it's more calories than beef. You like, wait a minute, wait, I'm not even. What are you why about? are you arguing with me? <laughs> I just don't want. Yeah. I just don't want any Hennessy. It right is. Now. Yeah, it I'm, is I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm yeah. so so tired. <laughs> but like, okay, so Alex, you've been married longer than I, I've been married for a couple of months. I'm. Like, I just passed a hundred day mark. We making it happen? Feeling right. good? I, I just had my eleventh. 11th anniversary Shut we need up. we need some free game from you alex okay so what uh, do you have a specific long sub uh, how, to, how to keep a long and happy marriage my man all right and this this is a good segue into my minuscule best finesse ever okay i'm yes. going to tell you this story and you're going to be like wow that's uh not impressive at all but if that's the best best you, <laughs> you can't set it up like it, that it, yeah, not, so, you, so you lowered the expectation me, okay so I, I i first date with my future wife uh, I said, hey, let's go to this concert. Wolf Parade is playing at Shuba's. They're yeah. way back there, band. Is, they had a new album out, and there's a Canadian band or something. From uh, Anyway, so I was like, all right, let's go. Uh, she was my neighbor, picked her up, got on the train, and I was like, hey, guess what? I asked you to this concert. I had a ticket. I figured I'd just pick up another one. It sold out. I've got one ticket. 
we're going to this concert together. But, uh, you know, if only one of us can get in, I, you, you go see the show, whatever. Uh, we get to the show, because I, I was an idiot, is what happened, basically. Mm. We get to the show, and uh, the, the guy was like, all right, uh, let me see your tickets. Or It was like way early days, you know? And I was like, ah, two for uh, Menocal. And he goes, I only see you down for one. And I was like, ah. And he, go, he looks at me, he looks at her, and he goes, ah, fuck it. Go on it. See, that's a finesse. Then a finesse. I married her, and we've been married for 11 years. That's it. Yeah, okay. That's, that's when you got to <laughs> pull out the cell phone and act like you're texting a person. Yeah. Cell phone? I don't think I had a cell phone. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just updating I, the this, this is the Yeah, this is the modern equivalent. The modern equivalent of that would be you get the, we only see you down for one, you go, oh, God, okay. I Hold mean, on, he literally looked, he looks at me, looks at her, and goes, "I'm not ruining your your night." And I, you know what? So I should have invited that guy to the wedding. That would have been great, but whatever. Yeah. So, bouncer <laughs> at Shuba's, thank you, thank Shout you very much the, yeah. for for uh, for opening the doors to my. I never my, had a problem with Shuba's. Yeah. Well, because like it's are, Shuba's. Let's they're just be nice. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're nice. Very though. nice. Very no, good shows. You got to remember names too. Yes, but the, I have to say the other secret to, I I, I did a surprise proposal. There was no talking about it beforehand. Oh, wow. I was like, "Damn, I want it. I want to do this," and I don't think people do that anymore. There's like, there's a lot of elaborate stuff that goes on with proposals, and I'm like, I just didn't. You mean as far as like her being surprised? Yeah. Oh, she was. Chelsea was. She yeah, was surprised. Yeah, she was okay. totally surprised. Oh, that's correct. I mean, I told all of her friends so they could be there, <laughs> and, but she was. Oh, just she like, no but clue. you went that's to amazing. you went to great lengths to make this special. That that, that is was, awesome. That is really. I cool. love that. That's so great, and also. It's a perfect example of finessing. Yeah, like it we is. We, <laughs> completely. Me and my lady were actually you finessed your way into your you, proposal. You we were, finessed yourself through like eight levels of like gates. Like no, it's so much. We scary. were talking about it. She was like, "This was so perfect because our life and relationship is embedded in festivals as well. Because we're always yeah. at them. We're always at yeah. South by finessing around, sure. just having fun." So she was like, "This was yeah. perfect." Okay, that's great. So as a final aside, I want to ask. Where can people find you if they need your services, but also if they just want to learn more about what you got going on? Uh, so we got Twitter. This is Esquire. IG Sanders ESQ. Email Eddie at Sanders ESQ yeah. com. Um, and I'm in these streets, too. He's you know active in the streets. Also, I think a very underrated part of finessing is you have to be in the streets a little bit. Yeah, people and, have to know who you are. Exactly. And I say this as a person who is slowly starting to get out of the streets. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I still got to pop out if, I'm, if I need to make something happen. What are you like talking about? You months. can never leave the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Where you think you're going, dogs? Blood in, blood out. I'm like, Yo, where'd you get a knife from? Where is this coming from? <laughs> I just want to chill at home. I'm just bro. trying to relax, man. Watch The Office for the 19th time. All right, folks, this wraps up another edition of Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. Our friend, Eddie Sanders, a.k.a. Esquire, a.k.a. Finesquire, a.k.a. You better have that check right. A.k.a. Legend in two games like I'm Pee Wee Kirkland. Ooh, R.I.P. Pee Wee Kirkland, by the way. Um, Thank you, Esquire. It was great having you. I'm Alex Menokel. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Squoze it in there. All right, folks, thank you so much. We'll check you next time. Bye-bye. Taking our best time, all in. Snag it up till it start falling. I with the sauce to get lost in. Oh, you can be my mind, flossing. I ain't flossing.
Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA.